This is Sports Best, presented by Reposted on the Reposted Podcast Network. Coming at you like a resort salesman working on commission, trying to get you to sign up for the luau tonight. He is Larry Huma Huma Nuka Nuka Uapa Wilson, and I am Mr. Pineapple. Have you ever been to Hawaii, Larry? I haven't been in 21 years. That's about the time that I went, yeah. Did you my like it? Did you bust- love it? I loved it. My wife's busting her chops. We got to take our kids to Hawaii. She's like, we got to do this. We got to do this. The Godfather, Uncle Kirk, is literally there as we talk. Oh, you know what I like? My family refers to him as Uncle Kirk because of the show. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, well, what's Uncle Kirk up to? <laughs> We're up to the NBA Finals after 16 very long seasons in the NBA. Chris Paul is finally headed to the big series. Suns point guard. Drinking from Vasco da Gama's Fountain of Youth playoff career at 41 points as the Suns knock out the Clippers in Game 6 of the Western Conference Finals. Paul, it is said, is the most accomplished player in NBA history to never have appeared in the Finals. He's got the most All-Star appearances, most All-NBA selections, started the most playoff games, and scored the most career points of anyone without a Finals appearance on his resume. Are you excited for Chris Paul? I'm very excited for Chris Paul. I've been following him his entire career. I said at the beginning of the playoffs, whoever wins the West is going to win the NBA championship. The way the Hawks are playing, I don't know, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, Chris Paul, good on him. Good, And then somehow, I don't know, but I feel like Charles Barkley is going to take some kind of credit in this championship or like it's going to vindicate him to some extent. Paul, by the way, Revealed that he had an MRI done on his hand and he's got torn ligaments in his right hand. Oh. He also has a nerve issue in his shoulder. And oh, by the way, had COVID and had to sit out some games during the playoffs. Yeah, it's uh, things that happen and you got to be able to make up for it. I do want to throw this out there in case you want to put some action. Ooh. What? Yes. Well, I don't know. Basically, I just want to do this. <laughs> this <What> is Larry's <laughs> long shot. I'll give you 100 to 1 that Brooklyn wins the NBA championship. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Well, is that what the bet you made? You were like, is that what you said? The Should Brooklyn we- was? No, we were just talking about how Brooklyn was down in the series and they were still, yeah. fa- they weren't favored to win in Vegas their series, but they were favored to win the NBA championship. It was like a very strange something and uh as we all know that didn't work out and then scotty pippen starts rubbing his mouth all sorts of stuff it is a little odd either the suns the hawks or the bucks are going to win the nba championship which you don't necessarily think of those three teams as winning nba championships but no you know it's good i mean i'll say i said to me in the playoffs well i didn't say this but the west the suns are going to win it i'm saying that right now yeah guarantee yeah lock it up suckers yeah. Well, speaking of trash talking, there's nothing better than talking some trash and then backing it up. Josh Donaldson was uh, oh. talking some trash oh. about the White Sox, and he ends up going yard the next day. Um, but I got a clip of him in his press conference. And I think it's great. Mr. Giolito, your fastball spin rate's down 200. Your curveball <laughs> spin rate's down four, 500. Your slider's down 200. Look. If we're going to talk about class, are we going to, are we, what side are you going to choose? Yeah. So he's just like saying, you know what? You guys suck. He <laughs> blasts a home run, drops the bat. He almost did a bat flip, which I kind of miss. But I don't know who the joke is on because the Twins lost 13 to three. 
So he got some vindication on his trash talking, but his team's not doing that well. Um, he really is going out on this martyr limb to say that pitchers are yeah. cheating. I don't know. I mean, I kind of wonder if MLB likes this, him on this crusade to go on the witch hunt to tell all the people, you know, show all the pitchers that are cheating, or if they would be like, hey, I wish we'd kind of dip into this. We're going to check the pitchers for the spider tack a little easier. Yeah, I mean, I, I heard an interview with Bob Costas, and he was talking about that, like, the rule is supposed to be that you randomly check people in between innings or – if after if there's a pitching change like you don't stop the game of play i think there's some version of gamesmanship where they start going to the umpire and at some point it's people are going they're going to mlb is going to have to make an official rule on how to do this but if it's within your rights to go to the umpire and be like there's sticky substances on on the pitcher like it's kind of like icing the kicker or calling a timeout like it's gamesmanship and I mean, I would do it. I would be very annoyed if someone did it to me, but like, I get why they're doing it. For the record, uh, Donaldson says he's got a entire catalog of pitchers that he faced and shows exactly the statistics of how they're cheating with their spin rates. So he says he's got <laughs> this like in his back pocket so that if people call him out on it, he can just be like, exhibit A. Oh, I mean... <laughs> If you live in a glass house, don't throw stones. I don't know. I feel like there's some dirt on him that if he he mucks it up enough, someone's going to dig something up on him. So be careful, my man. I have the dirt. I actually did a little bit of digging. Uh, Josh Donaldson picks his nose and puts the boogers in magazines he lays around the house. That's the the dirt that I have. Oh, boy. (laughs) He doesn't use his iPad to read his uh, periodicals? No, no. He likes hard... He likes actual physical. He likes the physical yeah, he likes periodicals. You know what I know you like? You like statistics. Woo! I love There we go. National shortstop Trey Turner became the first player since 1900 to hit for the cycle on his birthday. He turned 20 on a Wednesday and had a single, double, triple, and a home run. Shortstop became the fourth player in the modern era to hit for the cycle three times in his career. Asked after the game, Turner said, usually my mom makes requests of what she wants on my birthday, homers and stolen bases and whatnot, but he went for them all, hit for the cycle. Only three other players have hit for the cycle three times since 1900. Adrian Beltre, Babe Herman, is that Babe Ruth, and Bob Musial. Oh, do you know how many cycles have been hit in the history of MLB? Because I got that one for you. Ooh, what is it? 331 times. It's hmm. known as one of the most rare occurrences in baseball. The first one was with Curry Foley in 1882. Wow. I'd be curious. I, I was never good at baseball because I was uncoordinated, but I'd be <laughs> curious to talk to a really good hitter that, like, if you have a single, a triple, and a home run, like, are you changing how you're swinging <laughs> yeah. to try to get a double? Or does it have to be a coincidence of you getting four hits in a game? Because – I think they're that good that they can change how they swing for their trajectory to some extent, but I I don't really know. Well, so Trey needed the triple to complete the uh, cycle on Wednesday night and you see him like it. So he's got everything else, but the triple. So he smokes this, what looks like maybe a double or a single and you, he just tears out of the box. Like he was going to either get thrown out or get the, get the cycle. It was awesome. Or if you have a double remaining and you hit a triple ball, are they going to hold you up? Be like, ah, (laughs) you know, Well, you hit the triple ball and you go for the single. You're like, yeah, I'll just stay at first base. And you just start stretching it out while they're still <laughs> yeah. running after the ball. You're like, ah, exactly. Taking your batting, batting glove off and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, someone that hasn't hit a major league baseball in a really long story. time is getting paid 
on July 1st, our boy, we talked about him, Bobby Bolina. The Mets are celebrating Bobby Bolina Day today. So he made, as we talked, he, he negotiated a deal that they wanted to buy out his contract. <laughs> and when you factor in interest, the Mets owe Bolina about $1.2 million every year. He hasn't played in Major League Baseball since 2001. He is going to keep earning money from the Mets until he is 72 years old. What a great deal. Bobby Bolina is the winner of this millennium. So, yeah. I, is his agent a genius? I think the Mets are just dum-dums. Oh, okay. Or okay. I don't, I mean, I don't, maybe he had some dirt. Maybe he had some spin rate data he had in his back pocket that he used as leverage to get it. Because they, they, they had like $6 million left on his contract and somehow they yeah. extended it out for 24 years. So uh, who it knows? It doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense that they'd be like, well, we're not going to pay you $6 million, but we'll pay you a million a year for 25 years. Right. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's kind of like uh, when you win the Powerball, do you want to pay out or do you? Yeah. It's like saying, do you want to win $10 million today or get a million dollars a year for 20 years? It's like this doesn't, the math doesn't even make sense. So, Bobby Bo, like, do you think he changed? Like, do you think he throws a little bit of a party on the first of every July? Or it's like now he's like, nah, it's just my million dollar day. Like, what happens for him on that day? I don't know. I feel like it's the first couple of years, I would definitely throw a party. But after yeah. a while, I'd be like, all right, well, yeah. let's just let's yeah. move that over to, to my Doge account and uh, watch that grow. <laughs> well, once again, I feel like somebody must have smarted up because this has never happened. It's only happened once that a player has gotten this deal. So I guess everybody wised up and said, he's not going to die. We should yeah, not it's not going to happen again. <laughs> kind of like now when they have reality TV shows, networks own the rights to your brand moving forward to Chip and Joanna Gaines famous of fixer upper uh they like hgtv whenever they bought their show was only bought their show and they were able to turn their magnolia brand into this whole multi-billion dollar yeah, billion dollar pro, uh brand and now they have their own network and so now if you and when I, you and i start our new home renovation show on hgtv we're gonna have to sign over the rights to our company by the way, let's go deep dive on this. I believe George Lucas, when he was making Star Wars, they're like, we can't pay for the film. And he's like, okay, don't pay me anything. Just give me the rights to all the toys. Yep. Hello. Well, and the casting director, uh, George Lucas, couldn't pay him. He's like, I'll give you 1% of the profits in perpetuity. <laughs> that casting director's making bank. That's what we call mailbox money, Larry. That's mailbox money. Okay, all right. The NCAA Division I Board of Governors approving an interim policy that allows college athletes to monetize their names, images, and likenesses for the first time. The bridge waiver comes just one day before NFL floodgates were to be opened on July 1st, allowing athletes to do so anyway. So what does this all mean? So this means that college athletes with the big Twitter followers and stuff can start making money off this. Mm -hmm. Okay, well... This is what it means specifically. Alabama freshman defensive back Jaquincy Kool-Aid McKistry has already signed a deal to sell one of his NFTs for $750. Okay, it's got a small chain, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All these athletes are starting to take money. I didn't really know who these people were. Haley and Handa Cavendier. Have you heard of them? No. I Googled them. They play, they're twins that play basketball on the Fresno State basketball team. So of all the people that can play basketball in the country... I don't think Fresno State is the hot spot, but I Googled this Haley and Hannah Cavender. They got a million followers on the TikToks. 
by the way, they're not so bad on the eyes. They do all these sorts of funny things. And now they're set to make a million dollars a year somehow licensing their social medias. Yeah, I mean, you can make a good amount of money with the engagement from TikTok. I mean, they pay you one or two cents per view and it kind of all of that stuff adds up. Uh, it's crazy how long this has been going on. I remember when I was in school, Jeremy Bloom. I don't know if you remember him. Good old Jeremy. He was an Olympic skier and he had a modeling deal with Tommy Hilfiger, I think. And he had to, he, uh, he gave that up so he could play football for University of Colorado because NCAA was like, hey, you can't be making money. And his family was well off enough to guess I'd be able to do that. But uh, that was kind of crazy. And I mean, I'm excited for these people to make money. I, I don't know if it kind of sounds like they're able to make money outside of whatever they're doing. They're not going to be capitalizing on EA Sports making a yeah. game about what they do. They, it's like you can just go outside and but I guess like if you're the quarterback for University of Alabama, just create an Instagram account and people are going to follow you. QB12, they're going to follow you and you're going to be able to monetize that by just doing brand deals and engagement. Uh, yeah, because my initial when I heard this, like the NCAA is going to let college athletes make money. I was like, well, the big people will make money. But if two twins from Fresno State can somehow monetize their social media following to make a million dollars a year, I'm like, I think this is going to be great for athletes. Like if you're a big deal in a school like Alabama, right? But maybe you're not going to be a star, or go to the NFL. You're still going to be able to monetize in the community your likeness and you're going to somehow make money. I don't think those twins are making any money because of their exposure for basketball. They grew a following yeah. on, yeah. on TikTok. Like I think if they wouldn't have played basketball, they still would have had this. We're just saying they're in this weird category. So it's the NCAA is allowing them to continue to play baseball. Oh, benevolent NCAA. Thank you for allowing us to make money outside of what we're doing. Well, Fresno State's a great example, right? They don't have a professional team there. And the professional team in the Fresno community really is the sports there at Fresno. Mm -hmm. And that's probably true at colleges across the country where the main sport is the college. And so I think it's great that they some these, these uh, athletes can somehow monetize themselves in that community and make a bigger deal and make money. Yeah, I mean, Fresno State's a good example. But, I mean, you could say LSU is the entire state of yeah. Louisiana. They supersede yeah. even the Saints. Yeah. So, like, I guess... Social media is the most obvious way to monetize it, but NFTs, speaking engagements, maybe that's something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, we could we could pay the appearance fee to get the left <laughs> tackle of the <laughs> Louisiana State University on the team on the show. I guarantee. Uh -huh. You don't think that dude's going to take like two hundred bucks to come speak at a banquet? That's a great idea. For sure. That's uh, that's a little late night snack for those guys. <laughs> Why not? Well, we couldn't have a show without talking about the Olympics, but we have a pretty cool story. Lindsay Flatch of the heptap heptathlon uh, <laughs> just qualified for Tokyo 2020 on her third Olympic trials, and she did it while she's pregnant. She uh -oh. is 12 months, 12 months, she's 12 months pregnant, 12 weeks pre pregnant, I believe. And uh, I mean, uh, you see pictures of her. She looks like you can see she's showing a little bit, but uh, I think this is a great uh, exposure for people out there to realize that when, when you're pregnant, you can still do, you can still compete at a high level. I don't know if this is still the case, but I remember growing up, you thinking, just hearing when someone gets pregnant, they just, you don't, you can't work out and you just give into your cravings. I think staying healthy when you're pregnant is great. 
Who who doesn't want to hear two straight white guys talking about what women should do when they're pregnant? Well, I was pregnant when I was at the 98 national championship for chess. So I feel like Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm excited for her. Like I don't I don't know what the limits are for on doing yeah. high. Let me tell you, no limits, Andrew. There's no limits There's no for what women can I mean, do. No limits. Yeah. And she <laughs> I mean, the heptathlon is one of the most grueling events at the trials. I think it was hundred degrees. And Ooh. she uh, she's doing awesome. So good on good on Lindsay. Let's throw her a baby shower. Let's get some pub out of this. Yes, we are throwing a baby <laughs> shower for her. No, no, that means the show's almost over. Don't it's do it. Almost. Don't over. do it. Don't take the show away from me. Well, Tokyo <laughs> magnanimously has announced that uh, mothers who are nursing are allowed to bring their children to the games because previously they weren't allowed to bring any family members but uh they came out with an announcement after careful consideration of the unique situation facing athletes with nursing children we are pleased to confirm that when necessary nursing children will be able to accompany athletes to japan i was trying to think about it again everyone wants to hear my opinion on um pregnancy but that's a quick turnaround to to give birth and then be in high enough shape to compete on that level but uh canadian basketball player kim goucher has a three-month-old and she's going to bring her daughter to tokyo and continue to breastfeed so this is great these are all great things i don't have any frame of reference but i'll talk about them the world wants two middle-aged white dudes talking about who can breastfeed, who cannot. Here's what I would say. Whoever the, whoever's in charge of this whole Olympics thing, at one point when he says, like, no, we're going to not let uh, pregnant mothers bring their breastfeeding kids, like, shouldn't have his assistant tapped them on the shoulder and like, or be like, hey, this is a really bad look. We should probably let them do that. Like, why do we got to wait three weeks before the Olympics for this to happen? Yeah, I don't, I don't think we should. Um, but again, I guess uh, proving the rest of the world is not as progressive as the two guys on the Sports Best podcast. That's right. You're right, Andrew. I'm progressive. Hey, world, catch up with us. <laughs> this has been Sports Best. Tune in next time to hear our talk on the best <laughs> methods to use.